If you're in the battle for the Lord and right, keep on the firing line. If you win, my brother, surely you must fight. Keep on the firing line. There are many dangers that we all must face. If we die of fighting, it is no disgrace. Coward in the service, he will find no place. So keep on the firing line. You must fight, be brave against all evil. Never run, nor even lag behind. If you would win for God and the right, just keep on the firing line. When we get to heaven, brother, we'll be glad. Keep on the firing line. I will praise the Savior for the call we had. Keep on the firing line. When we see the souls that we have helped to win, leading them to Jesus from the paths of sin, with a shout of welcome we will all march in. So keep on the firing line. You must fight, be brave against all evil. Never run, nor even lag behind. If you would win for God and the right, just keep on the firing line. You must fight, be brave against all evil. Never run, nor even lag behind. If you would win for God and the right, just keep on the firing line. If you would win for God and the right, just keep on the firing line. All right, I'm going to go ahead and start. I don't have my mic with me, so I'll try to stay close to the uh, pulpit for now. But um, we'll go from there. Let me make sure they did. Okay, good. I'm, I'm right. All right, so let's go ahead and take our Bibles today. Turn over to the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 14, Matthew chapter 14, beginning in verse 34, oh, here we go, saved by the mic, all right, <clears throat> Matthew chapter 14, verse 34 through 36 is what we're going to look at. Now, earlier, Jesus had constrained his disciples to enter a ship and to go before him to the other side of the sea. And while they're at sea, a storm forms. And I mean to tell you, they are tossed to and fro in the midst of that storm, and the waves are kicking about, and the wind is blowing all around them. And just when it would seem that they were in, I mean, just imminent danger where it appeared to them that they may be going under for the last time, so to speak, or going down for the count, Jesus comes walking on the sea. They're afraid. I mean, they're scared. But once they recognize and realize that it's actually Jesus Christ, they're okay. They're all right now. It's him, so we're good to go. Peter even steps out of the boat and he begins walking to the Lord. And it's not until his attention is diverted by the wind and the waves that ultimately he begins to sink. 
And as he does sink, he cries out and says, Lord, save me. Of course, the Lord saves him, takes him by the hand and lifts him up out of the water. The wind ceases and they worship the Lord Jesus Christ and they recognize him as none other than God himself, the Son of God. And then we come to Matthew chapter 14, verses 34 through 36. And the Bible says there, And when they were gone over, they came into the land of Gennesaret. And when the men of that place had knowledge of him, they sent out into all that country round about and brought unto him all that were diseased and besought him that they might only touch the hem of his garment. And as many as touched were made perfectly whole. And that's something. It says, And they besought him that they might only touch the hem of his garment, and as many as touched were made perfectly whole. Isn't that amazing to think that they simply touched the hem of his garment? Simply touched the hem of his garment. You know, it wouldn't be a casual glance, <clears throat> it wouldn't be a distant observation, it wouldn't be a front row seat. It had to be a touch. It had to be a touch. See, close wasn't enough. They had to actually touch the hem of his garment. See, no one is really healed. No one is really helped. No one ever is forever changed until they come close enough to the master that they can touch him. Let me ask you today, what do you want God to do for you today? I mean, what do you want God to do for you? Isn't that really a a good question? I mean, someone might say, well, I I wish God would just meet a need in my life financially. I wish God would meet a need in my life physically. I, I know that there's some emotional issues I'm dealing with and addressing now. I wish God would meet those needs. Well, you better get close enough to touch him then. He wants to meet the need. He's anxious to meet the need. But we need to get close enough to touch him. See, most often we're waiting for God to touch us, aren't we? I mean, most of the time we kind of expect God to reach out to us. He knows I'm hurting and he knows I have needs. I mean, God's got to change my life. God's got to do something in my heart. God's the one that's got to touch my body. God's the one that's got to touch my life. God's the one that's got to touch my finances. But the passage seems to indicate that everything is in place for us. We simply have to reach out and touch Him. That kind of goes contrary to what we seem to think normally, though. Somebody that's going through a difficult time somehow believes that it's God's responsibility to deliver them. Well, God's already given them the grace potentially to be delivered. They simply need to touch Him. See, many times we're so far away from God that He's unable to even perform the miracle in our life that we're seeking we got to get close enough to him that we can touch his garment. And when we touch his garment, then things will take place. Then things will happen. See, what do you want God to do for you today? <clears throat> you know, this is pretty consistent in Scripture, by the way. Turn, if you would, to the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 4, verse 29. Deuteronomy, chapter 4, verse 29. You know, we are literally, and, I, and I'm not trying to... Uh, play on anything here politically, but I'm telling you, we live in a culture where we expect people to do for us all the time. We almost feel that it's, 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 it's our right to have people do for us. 
You know, it used to be that, you know, the Bible teaches if you don't work, you don't eat. But, but really, in reality, that's not how we've been training the next generation. <clears throat> we've been training a generation to believe that the world revolves around them. And that somehow they have a right to things, even if they don't put forth the effort for it. Well, let me tell you something. You don't get an A in school, at least in the past, unless you did A work. It used to be you got a C if you did C work, you got an F if you did F work, you got an A if you did A work. Let me tell you what, our culture has changed significantly. I'm not saying that every uh, tool that we use is wrong. What I'm saying is, is that our motivation often is lost. And I'm telling you, when it comes to spiritual matters, we have adopted the world's philosophy, and many times we expect God to do for us if we do nothing in return even. We think God is at our disposal. We think God should be our puppet. We think God should be our little, uh, uh, you know, sugar daddy in the sky, so to speak. And every time we click our fingers, he ought to just gladly and willingly say, yes, sir, whatever you want. Okay, ma'am, if that's what you desire. And sometimes we lost sight of what God and who God really is and who we are in respect to him. But I'm telling you, this principle of reaching out and touching his garment or reaching out to him in order to see something happen in our lives is a principle that we see throughout Scripture. And in Deuteronomy 4.29, the Bible says, But if from thence thou shalt seek the Lord thy God, thou shalt find him. If thou seek him with all thy heart and with all thy soul. Well, I'll tell you what, that's, that's interesting right there if you ask me. And again, someone says, well, that's not touching his garment. Well, let me tell you what, if you're seeking him that hard, you're probably reaching out too. Notice again, he says, he says, but if from thence thou shalt seek the Lord thy God, thou shalt find him. If thou seek him with all thy heart and with all thy soul, we find in the book of Proverbs that in verse chapter 8, verse 17, I love them that love me, and those that seek me early shall find me. Hey, there's no doubt about it. You seek him, you'll find him. Not only that, but God is always looking for those who are looking for him. In Psalms chapter 14, verse 2, the Lord looked down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there were any that did understand and seek God. We find that the secret of blessing in the believer's life is seeking the Lord Jesus Christ. In Matthew 6, it says, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. You say, well, that's a kingdom that is talking about seeking. Yes, I know, but you can't seek a kingdom without finding a king. And the king is who you're going to find in the end, and that's Jesus Christ. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, the Bible says, But without faith it is impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Now I know someone's going to say, well, you know, the truth is over in the book of Romans, chapter 3, verse 10 through 12, no one seeks God, preacher. So I don't know what you're talking about there, buster, but nobody seeks him. Hey, we're talking about salvation. We're talking about the natural man. We're talking about the sinful man. In his flesh, he will never seek God. I'm glad the Holy Spirit of God was given to woo us and to draw us. But my friend, let me tell you something. Jesus Christ may be in the neighborhood, but that don't mean you're going to go after him. And there is an element biblically and scripturally that far surpasses that idea of just simple salvation, that the believer must be willing to seek after the Lord. Hey, long after you've trusted Christ, my friend, if you want your needs met, you better go reach out and touch his garment. 
This idea that somehow God is obligated to come where I'm seated, that he's somehow supposed to search me out now that I've received and accepted him. My friend, that's not how it works. You got to reach out and touch his garment. You know where he's seated. He says, if you'll draw nigh to me, then I'll draw nigh to you. The problem is if we're not careful, we're waiting for him to come to us and touch us. When in reality, he says, you need to come touch me. There's no doubt that there's no one that's really seeking after God in a sense when they're in total spiritual darkness. The wooing of the Holy Spirit draws a person, but they still have to make a decision as to whether or not they're going to reach out to him. That is a decision they make. It's a decision you had to make. I had to make. And if you're lost today without Jesus Christ, if you've never received the Lord, my friend, the Bible says you are in darkness and you are condemned to death. I mean eternal death, to be eternally separated from God forever in a place called the lake of fire. My friend, that darkness is something that you revel in. That darkness is something that you enjoy. You don't want to come to the light because it's going to expose who you are and what you really are and the wicked deeds that you possess within your person. My my friend, I'm telling you today, when the Holy Spirit of God speaks to your heart, you better yield to the Holy Spirit. And instead of sitting and waiting for God to come knock on your door again, you better run to Jesus Christ and take hold of the garments and say, save my soul. Don't let me perish in hell. This idea that God's responsible to do everything for us is not biblical. I know we can't do it without him, but I'm telling you what, just like we've talked about in the past, I'll tell you what, when he said, before he said, Lazarus, come forth out of that grave, he told them to remove the stone. There are some things that we can do that help God to do what he does. There are some things that he's already done for us that we don't need him to do again. There's some stones in your life that are keeping you from God. You get them out of the way. If he's given you strength to do it, you get them out of the way. And then you go to God when you get the opportunity. You reach out, you touch his garment. we got to come to him. Again, too often we're waiting for him to touch us, but we need to go touch him. So there are these sick all over the area. and They're all coming to Jesus. They only sought to touch his garment. When they did, they were made perfectly whole, the Bible says. So what do you want God to do for you? The Bible says in Romans chapter 10, verse 13, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Here we have the Lord telling us to call upon him. I mean, he is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. But we have to reach out if we're going to be saved then. We got to call upon him. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 through 2, interestingly enough, turn there, would you? Even after we're saved, he's telling us, you got to come to me. Come to me. You know, the Lord is a gentleman. He's not going to force you to to do something against your will. He's not going to demand that you get saved if you don't want to be saved. He's not going to require, he's not going to force you to love him and serve him without wanting to love and serve him. He doesn't want you to be a robot. He wants you to be a, a soul that makes its own decision. He wants you to love him voluntarily and willingly. Romans 12, 1 and 2 even. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice. That isn't Jesus coming to us, that's us going to him. And he goes, 
He says that you present that body a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable <clears throat> and perfect will of God. See, after trusting Christ and being saved, we're to go to him and present ourselves for service. That's something. We're to go to him and present ourselves for service. So not only in salvation must we call upon him, must we reach out to him in that regard, but now once we're saved, we need to present ourselves to him. Then turn, if you would, to Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 through 30. Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. He says, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Notice he says, come unto me. Well, I'll tell you what, if you've got a need in your life, you need to go to him. Well, if there's one thing I want the world to recognize and understand in the midst of this coronavirus pandemic, it's that they need to go to God instead of just running to somebody or something else. They've got to get to God. They've got to understand that he's still the author and finisher of our faith, that he's still the creator of the universe, that it's still him that holds us in his hands. I am so concerned that not only will the world, but the church will look to our government and look to other uh, institutions within our country and thank them for what God did. I'm a little worried about that. I'm just concerned about it. I get my stimulus check, I'll be happy. Big deal. Big deal. You telling me, uh, uh, well, oh, thankfully the doctors came up with a cure. Who gave the doctors the wisdom to come up with a cure? I know there are certain drugs that are being implemented and used right now that they have great hopes that will ultimately uh, help to alleviate some of the major symptoms and keep people alive and, and will put us in a position we could certainly move forward much more quickly. And hopefully those work, and hopefully they take hold, and hopefully they, they do exactly what some have said that they could possibly do. But my friend, if it all works out, I don't care if it was uh, uh, created by men or women back in the 1940s, the 50s, the 60s, or 70s. I don't care if it was something they came up with just yesterday. The fact is that God has given them the wisdom, the understanding, and the knowledge to accomplish those things. Let's give God the glory in the end. The world's not, but we better, and we better remind them that it's still God. We are often waiting for him to touch us, but we got to touch him. So how do, you, how do you and I really reach out and touch God today? How do we do that? And that's what I want to talk to you about. As we recognize we need to reach out to God. We know, according to the passage and others through Scripture, that we're to seek after the Lord, that we're to reach out and touch him, that we're to pursue him, that we're to present ourselves to him. How do we do that today? How do we touch the hem of his garment? Just like they, in, in old days, uh, there on the, those dusty trails, went over and met the Lord Jesus Christ. They heard he was in an area, and they came and brought all their sick. And they just simply said, oh, we just need to touch the hem of his garment. If we can just touch the hem of his garment, we'll be made whole. If only we could touch him like they did. So how do we touch Jesus today? Well, I'm going to share that with you. Let's pray. Father, we come to you. We need you today, and we pray for your leadership and your love in our lives. 
Guide us now and help us in this book. Father, in these next few moments, may we be encouraged and may we be instructed as to how to touch you practically today so that our needs can be met as well, so that our lives can be touched, so that our futures can be changed. We love you. We need you and we praise you. In Christ's name, amen. So how do you and I reach out and touch God then? Take your Bible and you're going to go, oh man, come on. Turn to John chapter 1. Here we go. It's not complicated. You know, how often do we complicate God? How often do we complicate the Word and complicate the Christian life? I mean, really, we make it so hard. I mean, it's like God is like kind of trying to, you know, I I don't know. We used to play a game called Tag. And I still, you know, if I play the game Tag, you know, I have to play with a lot of younger people because the older ones couldn't catch me. But, but, you know, we used to kind of like tag, you know, and you'd, you'd tag them and then you'd take off running. See how quick that was? So, so anyway, um, so, so nonetheless, you'd take off running and then you'd, you'd stay away and they'd come running after you and try to catch you and you'd go running all over the place and you'd be like that, trying to jump away and do all your moves. We kind of look sometimes to God like that and we kind of act like that's what God's doing. It's almost like he's trying to play a game of tag with us. Okay, well, you know, I want to touch you, Lord. And he's like, whoa, don't get too close. Whoa, whoa, whoa. No, God's not like that. God's not looking at you going, you're so dirty, I don't want you to touch me. No, God's like, hey, you want to touch me? Here's the garment. There you go. Go ahead and touch it. There it is. And you don't have to work at that. Not in the sense that, that you, you got to hope that he wants you to touch. No, but hold on a second. How do we touch him then? They really walked up to him and physically touched him. Hey, he's not on earth today. How do we touch him now? John chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, and then verse 14. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God, that all things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made goes on to say in verse 14, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. We beheld His glory, the glories of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. At this time, Jesus, while on earth, He points out that the written Word and the living Word are one in the same. That's interesting, isn't it? Again, think about it now. The written word and the living word are exactly the same. They're one and the same. Note, the word was made flesh. The word of God was made flesh. The word of God was made flesh, Jesus Christ. Now, this word was settled in heaven already. This isn't the first time the word of God was complete. This is a mere copy of that which is already in the heavenlies. And the word of God became flesh and dwelt among us. Note that the word was God. The word was God. And the word, the Bible says, was made flesh. Not only that, but he goes on to say, all things were made by him. 
Now, if I would take a poll of the crowd today and I'd say, all right, how many of you believe that God created the heavens and the earth? In this crowd, at least, I would hope it would be 100%. And it more than likely would be. But the Bible tells us that the Word created all things. Do you know that Jesus simply spoke the universe and the Word into existence? See, the Word is God. And God created so see, the reality today is this, and you, you may have a hard time wrapping your mind around this reality, and I know that it's hard for me even at times to think about it this way, but when I hold this book in my hand, I'm literally holding God. I mean, I'm telling you, we do not give God's word the credit it deserves, nor do we give it the elevated position that it requires. We sometimes think there's got to be some secret way to get blessing from God. Let me tell you something. If you want to touch the hem of his garment, you will never do it on this side of heaven without touching this book. Listen, I'm telling you, go ahead. Try your self-help books. Go after all these uh, gurus that have these answers. Follow some preacher that tells you to simply, you know, just follow these steps. I'm telling you, if they neglect the word of God, they're neglecting the garment. You can't touch the hem of his garment unless you touch the binding of this book. You know, in the old days, years and years ago, even before me, they put a lot of emphasis on the Word of God. It was like, you want your problem solved? Get in the book. You got a need in your life? Get in the book. You got a problem with your marriage? Get in the book. You got a wayward child? Get in the book. Get in the book and where else? On your knees. You communicate, God communicates to you, you communicate to God. But I'm telling you something, a book isn't going to fix your problem unless it's this one. Because see, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. This is Jesus Christ today. This is where we find the Lord today. We found Him back then walking those dusty trails of Galilee. And there they were able to literally physically touch the hem of His garment if they wanted to be made whole. Today, if you want to be made whole, today, if you want your need met, today, if you need deliverance, my friend, you better get a hold of this book. I'm, you say, what do you mean? Well, let me explain it. Number one, touch its pages. You better open it. It doesn't do any good sitting on a coffee table. It doesn't do any good sitting in the uh, inside. Uh, listen, I keep a New Testament with me in my car all the time, and it's inside this little whatever they call that, I hate that thing, because you store stuff in there and then you can't find anything. I, I don't even know, what, it's a modern car with a very unmodern type of filing system. But let me tell you something, the fact is, is that it doesn't do me any good while it's sitting in there. It's not until I pull it out of there and touch it and open it that it can make any difference in my life or the lives of others. And so many times we've got Bibles that are rotting away places. Around the world, there are places they don't even have the Word of God. They are, they are, they are brokenhearted because they do not possess the Word of God. But we have the Bible, and we have it in our hands, and, and we have it available to us all the time. Even as the masses touch Jesus in order to be made whole and to be healed, we have to touch the Bible in order to have our needs met in this life. Touch its pages. Open it up. 
Read the Word of God. A priest in Belgium rebuked a young woman and her brother for reading the bad book pointing to the Bible. Mr. Priest, she replied, I, a little while ago my brother was an idler, a gambler, a drunkard, and made such a noise in the house that no one could stay in it. Since he began to read the Bible, he works with industry, goes no longer to the tavern, no longer touches cards, brings home money to his poor old mother, and our life at home is quiet and delightful. How comes it, Mr. Priest, that a bad book produces such good fruits? I'm going to tell you something. This is a good book. And it produces some good fruit. But it doesn't produce that fruit in our lives unless we touch it. Unless we open it. Unless we read it. Someone says, ah, another message on the Bible. Yeah, aren't you pitiful if you feel that way? Because I can promise you, you're extremely pitiful if you're not in that book. And I don't mean that from the sense of your character necessarily. I'm not, not going to go there. I'm saying you're in a pitiful position if you don't see the need for the Word of God in your life, my friend, because your life could be so much better. Touch its pages. Hey, they had to touch the hem of his garment. We need to touch him too. How do we do that? By touching its pages, the Word of God, the Bible. Not only that... <clears throat> We need to touch its principles. Not only its pages, but its principles. Turn, if you would, to Joshua chapter 1, verse 8. It's not enough to read the Bible. You've got to meditate on it. You've got to meditate on it. Joshua chapter 1, verse 8. Again, the children of Israel are preparing to go into the promised land after 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. Moses is now dead and Joshua is taking the reins and he needs some encouragement. I mean, he is extremely concerned about leading these people into a land that even Moses himself did not and ultimately could not. And yet here's what the advice he has given from the Lord is. This book of the law, verse 8, shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night. Not only do I want it on your lips, but I want it in your heart. It's not enough to simply be able to quote a passage necessarily. It ought to be hidden in your heart. You just to, should I say read it? It's not enough to read it out of the Bible. It's something he wants hidden in our hearts. Meditating on the Word of God. Meditating on it. When David Livingston began his trek across Africa in 1852, he began by carrying 73 books, which altogether weighed about 180 pounds. After he'd gone about 300 miles, he had to throw away some of the books because, well, it just wasn't very practical or feasible to carry so many through the jungle. He continued throwing books away, one after the other, one after the other, the further he went into the jungle. Eventually, his library had simply shrunk to just simp to, to one, just one book. And that one book was none other than the Bible. He, he didn't throw that one away. Of all the books that he brought, 
all the medical books and all the wisdom books and all the things that he needed in order to function and operate properly. I mean, he was trying to help those people physically as well as spiritually, and yet when it all boiled down to what he had to have, it boiled down to a Bible. I wonder, what, what do you have to have? What do you have to have? What is it that you need more than anything else in this world? You say, well, I, I need a good job. Well, I need a wife. I need a husband. What I need more than anything is some children. What I need is this, or what I need is that. Can I tell you there's not one of those things that'll make you whole? Not one. But if you'll touch the hem of his garment. If you'll just open this book. And you'll open its pages and you'll touch its, princi its, its, its principles. I'm telling you it'll make you whole. Perfectly whole. A mother relaxed by her reading her Bible each day. She found it very helpful to her. After observing this habit for a number of years, her four-year-old finally walked up to her one day and just said, aren't you ever going to get finished reading that book, Mommy? Aren't you ever going to get finished reading that book? <clears throat> Isn't it sad to think that we stop reading the book, we finish it, how many times, people may not say this, verbalize it, but their attitude and their actions reflect this. I've read it. I know what it says. I've, oh, I, I, yeah. I grew up in the church. Oh, I, you don't, listen, you don't even know how many times I've heard that preached. I remember when I started working at the, uh, um, <clears throat> at the time it was called Kaufman's Warehouse. It's when I, uh, the church had begun and I was in need of a job. And so I was working full time and doing the church and that kind of thing. And I remember uh, while I was working, I met a lady there and I, I was inviting folks out to the church. I was trying to witness to my coworkers and things, you know, just like all of you do, I'm sure. And the fact is, is that I ran into some opposition every once in a great while, but most of the time people were extremely uh, kind, just like they are to you as well. And, and yet this particular lady was funny to me. She, she would say to me, oh, you don't understand. I, I've been there. I've, I know more Bible. I've forgotten more Bible than you probably know, young man. She would say that to me. She was probably 45. I, 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 I have forgotten more Bible than, you, than, than you've even know, young man. And I'd say, I know, but if you know so much of the Bible, then you ought to be the first one on the front line teaching others and helping others to understand it. Amen. Well, I, I don't have time for that stuff. Can I tell you that there are Christians that have that same mentality? They won't verbalize it, but they think it. I don't know about you, but doesn't it bother you when people get tired of hearing a gospel message? Doesn't that bother you a little bit? That kind of bothers me. I 
not talking about Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. I'm just talking about, I don't know how Christians can get to the place where they hear too much of the gospel. The fact that Jesus died for them, was buried and rose again. The fact that he was their substitute. The fact that he's their propitiation. The fact that he took their place and ultimately they're perfect in the sight of a holy God. I get a little fed up with that. Kind of bothers me a little bit. Well, you're just not deep enough. Too bad, Buster. I'll just depend on Jesus. I don't know that there's anything else that saved you out of that book but that gospel, by the way. Now, that book will help you to live, and you need to get that living. But my friend, I'm going to tell you this right now. Don't you think for a minute you know so much of the Bible that you can't learn something else. And by the way, don't think that you need to learn something else till you've applied what you know. I could probably write about four things on my hand, and all of us would have to get to work. But yet, there's people in the world that sing somehow, until you know, you know uh, the, 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 the 18 antichrists, and until you know this and you know that, then you can't possibly understand the Bible, and you're not really being full as a Christian. My friend, why don't you just be faithful to God's house? Why don't you just get involved in the work? Why don't you just go out and soul win? Why don't you just tell somebody about Jesus? Why don't you just love that book and live that book? I guarantee you someone dying from COVID doesn't care how many of the, uh, 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 you know, how many gospels there are in this book. What they do care is about the gospel that you and I have to deal with today. Say, so you, you a little bit fed up? You a little bit fired up? Yeah, I am. I'm, I'm telling you, we know so much, we're stupid. Say, so stupid's a bad word. You learned that on a dumb movie. Some movie taught you that. Now I ain't going to tell you which one it was because I watched it too. <laughs> Lastly, you want to touch the hem of his garment. You want God to do something for you? I mean, really, you want him to do something for you. I don't care if it's heal your body. I don't care if it's touch your finances or touch your marriage or help your children. I don't care what it is. You want God to do something for you? You touch its pages. You touch its precepts. Finally, you touch its, excuse me, you touch its principles, and finally you touch its precepts. You know what precepts are? They're truths. You know what that means? We've got to obey it. We've got to obey this thing. James chapter 1, verse 22 says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only. Hold on, it doesn't stop there. Here's what it says. Deceiving your own selves. You know what he's saying? If you're not a doer of the word, you're only a hearer of it, then you're lying to yourself that you're a good Christian. You're lying to yourself that you're spiritual. You're deceiving your own self because you aren't everything you think you are. Because if you're not living what I've shared in that book for you, that I've commanded you, then my friend, you are not who you think you are. You're deceiving yourself. I think there's a lot of people deceiving ourselves. I think there's sometimes I'm deceiving myself. Sometimes I think I'm all that, and I'm really not all that. Because there's areas in my life that I'm not submitted and surrendered to the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm not following the word as I ought to. Maybe I'm giving in to my flesh. Maybe I'm allowing the devil to trick me and, and to, 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 to give me those wiles of the devil and those fiery darts are causing me to get tripped up along the way. My friend, let me tell you something. It's not enough to know what the Bible says. We've got to live it. Touch its pages, 
Touch its principles. Touch its precepts. Obedience always equals blessing. Hey, Jesus isn't on the earth today. You will not find him on earth. If somebody says they're Jesus, my friend, they are not. Matter of fact, there'll be those that are running around saying they're Jesus in the last days. Don't believe it. They're not. But can I tell you where you find him? Here he is. Hey, they had to touch the hem of his garment. Let me touch the hem of his garment. If I touch the hem of his garment, he'll make me whole, perfectly whole. You know how we become perfectly whole? You know how our needs are met today? By touching the hem of his garment. Go ahead. Set this down on a coffee table. Let it sit between you and your wife all week long in the car seat. Don't do anything with this book until Sunday morning again when you grab it and you walk in with it because that's what everybody does. But don't expect him to make you perfectly whole. Don't you expect him to meet your need. Don't expect him to come alongside and lift you up in the midst of the muck and the mire of this world. Let me tell you something. It's, hey, Jesus already gave us every opportunity to come to him, not only through prayer, but to come to him and touch his garment through this book, the word of God. And if you're waiting for God to do something that he's already given you the ability to do, my friend, you're going to be waiting a long time. I'm just waiting for God to deliver me from this. He's already told you he'd deliver you. You better get in the word because the Bible says that this word will keep you from sin. Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. It's not enough to simply open it, though. It's not enough to just simply read it. You have to meditate on it. You have to memorize it. You have to hide it in your heart, and then you have to obey it. In obedience, there's blessing. And when they were gone over, they came into the land of Gennesaret. When the men of that place had knowledge of him, they sent out into all that country round about and brought unto him all that were diseased and besought him that they might only touch the hem of his garment. As many as touched were made perfectly whole. As many as touched it. We touch him by touching the Bible, the Word of God. That's how we touch him today. It won't be a casual glance. It's not going to simply be a distant observation. It's not going to even be a front row seat. It has to be a touch. It has to be a touch. No one is healed. No one is helped. No one forever changed until they get close enough to touch the master. Years ago, someone came to me and they were struggling in their soul winning. They said, I'm telling everybody about the gospel I possibly can, but I get through the gospel and no one receives and accepts it. And I said, well, let me ask you a couple questions. And so I went on to ask some questions and I finally came to this question. Do you open your Bible and show them the word of God? They said, well, I usually get into the gospel, and by then, I'm just quoting it, and I'm telling them the gospel. I said, no, start opening the Bible and let the word of God do its work. Amen. You know what happened? Came back to me the very next week and said, 
It works. I started opening my Bible. And just this week, someone got saved. Can I tell you, it's not your presentation of the gospel. It's not your presentation of the word of God. It's not even how well you know it. It's the word itself. It's Jesus. They need to touch his garment. I wonder, do you know for sure if you died, you'd go to heaven? Do you realize that it doesn't matter how well you know him or know about him? You got to reach out now. Oh, he died on Calvary to pay for your sin. He came to earth for you. He sought you out by dying on the cross and shedding his precious blood. The question is, will you now reach out and touch him? Will you reach out and grab hold of Jesus and say, you are the way and you are the truth and you are the life. I'll never get to heaven without you. Forgive me, save me and come into my life. I need you, Jesus. Today it's up to you to touch the hem of his garment. Somebody will take this precious book and its precious promises, precepts, truths, and they'll show you from the Bible that you just simply need to call on the Lord Jesus Christ. You hide this word in your heart. You're hiding Jesus in your heart. You accept the truth of this book. You just accept his truth. You receive this as God's word. You receive him as God. Touch his garment today. Get a hold of the truths in this book. Apply them to your life and live them. It'll change your life. It'll change your family. It'll change your future. Father, we come to you. We ask, Lord, you'd help us, Lord, not to be content to simply know that there's a book called the Bible that we believe holds your word. But, Lord, may we be only content when we reach out and touch it, when we reach out and open its pages, when we reach out and, 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 and meditate on its principles, when we reach out and we, we, we truly touch its precepts by obeying it. Doesn't matter how little we know, Lord, what's really important is how much we do. How much of what little we know we actually obey. And as we obey the little, then we can begin to learn more and understand more and apply more. May we not be content to simply amass knowledge of the Bible, but may we only be content as we apply its principles and truths every day to our lives. Father, help us to be made perfectly whole. There may be one that's lost without Jesus Christ. Even as they have physical ailments, there may be spiritual ailment today. They're separated from God because of sin. May they come and say, I want to be made perfectly whole, Jesus. I know your word says to call upon you and you'll save me. I want to call on you today by embracing the word of God and its truths. They will take you as their savior. Father, help us, Lord, as believers to reach out to this old book and practically touch the hem of your garment. Well, thank you in Christ's name. Amen. Let's all stand, every head bowed, every eye closed. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Search me and know my heart. Let me ask you, do you know that you ought to be witnessing and sharing and telling others about Christ? Why aren't we doing that? 
Do you know that you ought to be faithful in God's house? And again, I understand these are unique times. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying now. Many of you are watching live stream because you know and understand the need to be influenced by the Word of God consistently from the local church. I get that. But I'm just saying, you know that you need to be under earshot of the Word of God. You need the local church in your life. What will you do with that? Will you neglect it? You say, well, I'm just, I want to learn more about the Bible. For what purpose if you're not even obeying what you do know? What's the point? What good's it doing you? Go ahead and study out the book of Revelation and do all of those things. I hope they motivate you and move you to do the simple things well. But I know a lot of people that know a lot about Revelation that don't even know that they need to go witness to a friend. They don't even go to church faithfully because they don't think they need the pastor in the church. Because they know enough about the Bible. They can learn that on their own over the internet. They can take some kind of course from some Christian university. They can go ahead and watch something on TV from across the country if they want. Wait a second. He didn't die for a televangelist. He didn't die so that you could have a church in California if you live in Ohio. He died so that you could have a church right where you live. And that is the local church. And you ought to be faithful, serving, and plugged into it. And then you only do that, you only understand that when you get a hold of his garment. Because his word makes that perfectly clear. How important is the word of God to you today? So it's real important. All right, prove it. How much have you read it? How long did you meditate this week on it? How effectively are you obeying it? That's the proof. Let's stop pretending here. Let's quit deceiving ourselves. Let's be honest, not only with God, but with ourselves. People say, well, you know, that's probably one reason why some of us don't go to Baptist churches, preacher, because we don't like people to put us on the spot like that. Listen, it is not my job to make you feel guilty it is my job to tell you the truth and if you feel guilty it's probably the Holy Spirit of God talking to you right now and it's a conscience that hopefully isn't seared yet that can still be persuaded to obey the word of God tell me the world has something for you better than God does what is it what is it young people will often think, well, there's going to be this and this and this. But you and I that are getting a little older, we understand it doesn't end that way. May we be able to help them understand it before they make bad decisions. Let's touch the hem of his garment. All right, before we close, let me just remind you, I decided to start the family worship, influence the family with God, or excuse me, infecting the family with God um, tonight, Okay. This isn't the book I'm speaking out of, by the way. It's pretty thick and big. This book's 100 years old, all right? This book's 100 years old, and in it are devotionals from 100 years ago. I mean, hundreds and hundreds of devotionals. And, it was, and, and so, like the miracles of Christ, what testimony did the chief priests and Pharisees bear concerning Christ's work? That's just one question you'd ask your family 100 years ago. Today... I think we struggle to even sit down and talk about the word, let alone really learn it. And I want to encourage you tonight to listen on live stream as we begin a series 
called Family Worship, Infecting the Family with God. And we want to understand, listen, there may come a day this church can't meet the way it's meeting. We may have to go underground one day. I'm not saying it's going to be tomorrow or anything. I'm just saying one day we may have to. One day in your lifetime, young people, you may not be so blessed to be able to meet publicly like this in the open. One day you may have to be careful and you may have to go underground. You may have to meet in basements of homes and do those things. But all along, you better have some kind of structure in the home. Learning the word, teaching our children, majoring on these things. And so we're going to talk a little bit about that. We're going to start that series tonight. Family worship, infecting the family with God. On the coattails of that, um, we have a couple things that we have out there for the family to help with uh, devotions and focusing in during the live streams, learning from the Word of God. Uh, Obviously, we've missed out on having our normal Sunday school hour and uh, normal services, as it were, uh, for the last couple weeks. It looks like we'll have at least one more Sunday of that, and so next Sunday... Um, what we're going to do is, or not next Sunday, we're, we're, do, we're giving a challenge or we're giving material to you as families to do your own home Sunday schools next Sunday morning. And, uh, and so you're going to see a, a link put out there um, that will have Sunday school materials for every family to take and use in their home. All right, a study of Daniel, you can do it with your small children and there's a, a handout you can give to your kids. Just print it off at home, give it to your kids and sit down. won't take much more than a half an hour. Um, to sit down and do this Sunday school uh, with, your, with your kids, sitting there in the, in the home, all right? And so uh, make sure, parents, that you, you get your kids, you sit them down, you do a Sunday school with them. And uh, we're going to make a post on our uh, social media where you can come back to that and um, post pictures of your family doing Sunday school next Sunday morning, all right? And uh, then next Sunday evening during the live stream only service, We'll put those up so the church can see what Sunday school looked like for the families of Community Baptist Temple, all right? And so take advantage of that. Also, we've got these papers. These are out on the table in the main lobby there. And uh, these are focused um, worksheets for the children and, uh, and adults alike. I mean, it, it has a note section, a place to draw. Most of you are drawing cartoons during the service anyway. And, uh, and so uh, they're little worksheets. They're li- it's a live stream watch aid, really, is what it is. And you can grab one of these for your kids on the way out this morning and, uh, and do these. Um, I know my kids have really enjoyed them, counting the words if they hear God or salvation or Bible. And uh, they can make little check marks and follow. It helps them pay attention and follow along um, listening to the message. All right. And so grab those that are out on the table. Also out on the table uh, in the lobby today are the couple different tracks we've got for uh, this unique time that we're in. This opportunity that we have to share the good news of the gospel. And so these are out in the lobby. Um, and, uh, and so you can pick up, there's a route with the appropriate amount of tracks with it, and you can pick those up, and while you're out practicing social distancing this week, uh, getting exercise in your community like the governor said we should do, um, you can just hand these out, drop them on doors, not knocking on doors, not trying to engage in conversation, just dropping them on a door and moving on and, uh, and leaving these, something for folks to read while they're trapped at home, all right? And, uh, and then um, with that, we have another tool here, and this is for you to take and give to your neighbors. It's just a little postcard, and uh, you, you probably only knew you know, a handful of them, maybe two, three, four of them. Just a little postcard says, things are a little crazy right now. Um, we want you to know as uh, your neighbors that we are here for you if you need us. And it goes into a little paragraph just explaining where we find comfort in God's word, and that you would be willing as a neighbor to help them if something were to come up. 
uh, you know, maybe they're elderly and they can't get out or whatever it may be, that you just put your cell phone number, your cell phone number, and your name on this, and you just, maybe you attach a candy bar to it and drop it on their door and just leave it there for them and let them know, hey, hey, maybe you have elderly neighbors. They can't, out to get, can't get out to get groceries. You can go pick up some groceries for them if they ask you to and just drop them on their step for them. Say, hey, I left the milk and eggs on your step. And uh, whatever it may be. But this is a great opportunity for us right now to be reaching out in unique ways. I met two neighbors I never knew before, um, you know, just in the last couple days. Because they're out in the neighborhood and they engaged in conversation. It's a unique opportunity right now. So take a couple of these and hand them out to your neighbors. Drop them off. Let them know that you're concerned. You're there for them. Also on the bottom says our church has a great pastoral staff who are happy to minister to you. You can email them at info at cbtakron.com. And so that gives them an opportunity if they want somebody to pray with them or uh, something else that comes up, they can reach out to the church, all right? Live stream only service tonight and Wednesday night. Make sure that you're in your places for those and, uh, and that you participate uh, with the things that are going on. Let's be praying that um, we're able to get back to normal meeting services soon. Real quickly, I just hope that you'll show respect to each and every person. Um, not everybody is excited to face you and talk to you directly. So I would ask that if, you know, when you prepare to leave, that you would exercise that distance and that you would show respect to those. Some people wouldn't tell you they don't want to face you and talk to you because they don't want to make you think they're being paranoid or anything. But the truth is they may be very uncomfortable, but they wouldn't say that to you. So let's just respect that and let's not put anybody in that position. I, I'm asking, let, you know, let's not shake hands, okay? We're, let's not do that. Let's not go to face-to-face -to -face with people. Um, unless you are family and you know them well, don't put them in that position, uh, and don't make them tell. Don't make them tell you. Uh, I just don't feel comfortable. Let's just respect that distance right now, and uh, we'll, we'll 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 get through this. It'll be fine. Okay. Amen. All right, uh, that's it for this morning's service. Let's have a word of prayer, and uh, we'll see you via live stream this evening. Lord, we do thank you for this morning. We thank you for the time that we've had in your house, Lord. Thank you for the great spirit in the church today, uh, Lord. Just the excitement, the folks that are here. Uh, Lord, it's encouraging. It lifts my spirit up. I certainly know in my heart it has been good to be in the house of the Lord today. And Lord, I pray that you would continue to encourage and strengthen the family of God uh, as we're uh, taking precautions, just being careful. Uh, Lord, we know that the government has allowed for us to, to gather, but uh, we want to do our part and be careful. And so, Lord, I pray that you would strengthen the church through this time that we would draw closer to you, that we would be in your word more than we've ever been in it before, that we would touch the pages of this book, uh, Lord, and honor um, the, the principles and the precepts that are in it. Lord, I pray that you would be with our pastor, continue to guide and direct him, and give him wisdom from above. Lord, bless the church. Keep them safe, we ask. In Jesus' name, we ask these things. Amen. Have a great day. Amen.